Welcome to Gravetop Church. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove, and today we're going to be continuing our series of Here I Am. And this whole month, we're talking about the idea of Jesus' calling to servanthood and humility as Christians. And today, specifically, we're going to talk about the aspect of you're ready. And we're the main idea of this message today is to understand when you give God your availability, he gives you the ability. And we're going to really focus primarily in the passage of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 10. But before we get to that passage, I want us to understand that each of us are called to serve the kingdom of God by ministering to people in some way. Yet we typically hesitate to fulfill that calling because we feel like we are either not ready or we're not qualified to do what God has called us to do. We feel inadequate and and we feel unworthy. So we count ourselves out from being a, from being able to be used by God to do anything significant all because of our insecurity. And today we're going to talk about how God still calls us to do a to a greater purpose even though none of us are perfect. And we're going to unpack the common insecurities of not being holy enough and we're going to look at how God actually takes away our guilty conscience in order to fulfill the calling he has for us. And then we're going to talk about the power of showing up anyway, even when you don't feel like you're ready of showing up anyway. And uh, it doesn't matter whether or not you feel like you're enough to show up. And the reason that this topic is so important is because many of us, so many people miss out on their calling along with God's power, along with God's presence, because of this massive insecurity about our self-perception. And you could experience, you would experience the passion and joy that comes with God if you were to allow yourself to walk by faith and not by the way that you see yourself. Now let's shift gears and look at this passage in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. It says, It was the year of King Uzziah, the year that King Uzziah died, and I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were the mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. So this is a very glorious scene that Isaiah is seeing of of God, God's presence in this in this temple in this in this moment, and it's all showing God's holiness. It's all showing His majesty, His His glory. And then it says, "Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man, and I have filthy lips, and I live among." a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? 
I said, here I am, send me. Now, if you haven't guessed, that's the scripture that inspired, inspired the title of this series, Here I Am. But within this, this message today about understanding how you're ready, I want us to first talk about how you are sinful. I'm sinful. We're all sinful. Not one single person is perfect. And even though we all know that no one is perfect, we still often feel like we're the only ones somehow that are inadequate. We're more inadequate than other people. And we count ourselves out as we put other people like the pastor on a pedestal because we think that they are the ones that, that they are the ones who can be holy while we're only we're just the people who are struggling and we're the, we're the people with sin and we're the people who are are just barely making and that we're just trying to be a good Christian but that person well they can do it they're holy enough see i feel like we all can relate to this passage in Isaiah and the fact that we would probably respond similarly to Isaiah saying i'm not worthy and i will probably die if i try <laughs> y'all know what i'm saying and and while none of us are necessarily worthy God has made this pathway for us to be cleansed he's made this path for us to be washed and this imagery of this burning coal from the altar, it foreshadows the confession of faith of Jesus. Notice that it's this, this burning coal that touched his lips and all of a sudden his sins are forgiven. See, in the same way that the coal took away his guilt, so it is when we put our faith in Jesus. That confession of faith. When you call on the name of Jesus, it makes you cleanse. It makes you right with God. In Romans 3.20, it says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So the Bible is declaring of itself that it is not to show us uh, this, this perfect standard that we'll be able to achieve one day, but in the process of us striving for holiness, the purpose of the scripture is to reveal how sinful we are. Its purpose is to reveal how much we need a savior. See, we must recognize that no one is perfect and that the holiness of God simply shows us how much we need Jesus, how much we need that savior. He understands our struggles. God understands our struggle with sin because he understands that we live in this broken and sinful world. When, he, when we choose to trust in God, we're choosing to trust him even in our weakness. That's what's special. It glorifies his mercy. It glorifies his strength. See, we don't have to compare ourselves to angels because angels do not live in a world of sin. They are not, they, they do not live in a world of temptation around them every day. And so they choose, they worship freely and gladly. It's no wonder they worship. But for us as mankind in our sin and in our weakness, in our doom, in the broken world of pain, in the broken world of sin all around us, we cry out to God in our anguish, in our agony, and in our weakness, in our sinfulness, we cry out for our creator and he hears us. If we could grasp 
that not one person in this world is more superior than the other. Meaning that not one single person is able to earn their way to heaven. Not one person is able to earn their way to God. But that each of us only receive it through mercy, through his grace in Jesus Christ. It really helps level the playing field knowing that, uh, and knowing that so that you can understand that yes, you may not be perfect, but you're ready. You're ready to be used by God if you would just allow yourself to give him your availability. He will give you the ability you need to achieve what he's called you to do. Now let's talk about, we talked about how sinful, messed up, and broken we are. Now let's talk about how holy God is. See, God is so holy, so glorious, yet God is not waiting to destroy you. As holy as he is, he is not waiting to slam dunk you to hell. See, we often think that, that God wants to destroy his creation. But the way he reveals to us in scripture is much more merciful. He's full of compassion and patience. And you, you are described as being, as being his dearly loved creation. To think that he chooses to call himself your heavenly father. Think about this for a moment. You didn't choose to call God your father. He revealed himself to you as your heavenly father. He chose to reveal himself as this intimate and personal relationship that is caring. Not you. He did that. See, recognizing that he first loved you should help you to realize that he is not simply waiting to get rid of you. If he first loved you, he is not just waiting to destroy you. He's not waiting to get rid of you, but he's urgently and patiently waiting with these open arms to receive you and to use you for his glory. And see, he, and look what it says in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. It says, Then the angel showed me Jeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. So Zechariah is getting this vision, right? And he sees this vision of the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And it says the accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand making accusations against Jeshua. Just pause for a moment. Who is the accuser? Satan. Is God the accuser? No, that's the devil. God, Jesus, is not accusing you. He's not waiting for you to mess up. He's not waiting for you to make a mistake. And as the devil is accusing Jeshua, the high priest, it says, And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. So we see this imagery that God sees Jeshua. He knows all things. In this passage, it shows that God is not waiting to accuse. He's not waiting to destroy. But in fact, he is ready to protect and cover. He is ready to protect and cover. See, the devil's accusations in this passage, they're actually accurate. He, when he is accusing him, they're accurate accusations. But God rejects those accusations because he is an understanding God and he extends grace 
and mercy. He is ready to save rather than to destroy. And that imagery, when he's saying, is he not a burning stick snatched from the fire? What he's saying is that Jeshua was in this burning fire of sin and judgment and wrath. And that when he chose to turn to God, to turn to, to his creator, that he it was like he was a stick snatched from the fire, that he was saved from destruction, that he was saved from hell. And, and then God says, he's a burning stick snatched from the fire, meaning that of course he's going to still smell like smoke. Of course he's going to still have some embers that are going out. It's not, it doesn't mean he may have been saved, but he still has some fires to put out. He still has some of the past to get rid of. And God is so understanding and compassionate that he understands this, this level of grace and even this time needed for Jeshua to work on some things. This should encourage you knowing that God is so holy and yet he is so ready to save you rather than destroy you. He's so ready to cover you and protect you rather than get rid of you. Now let's talk about one last thing and that is you are called. We talk about how you're sinful and God is holy. And now we're talking about how you are still called because redemption, God's very nature, is turning your mistake into a calling. Turning your mistake into a calling. One of the best parts about this scene from Isaiah is the fact that he confesses that his mouth specifically is unholy. I mean, what a weird thing to say. I'm a sinful man in my mouth. I have filthy lips and, and I'm among the people who have filthy lips. What a, what a weird thing. And there's a, a million other things I could say of why I'm disqualified for being in the presence of God. I, I wouldn't necessarily think firsthand that, oh, my mouth is too bad. I've been, I've, I've, uh, I've not have the right way of speaking. I've, I've cursed. I've done this. I've done that. And yet, this is what Isaiah specifically calls out, is that his mouth is filthy. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And, he, and God uses specifically his mouth to fulfill his calling and his purpose. He's, he, I, my mouth has disqualified me, and God says, your mouth is what I will use. You will be my messenger. You will be my voice box. You will be my megaphone. And he takes the one thing that he... Isaiah thought he had disqualified him. The very thing that he thought was his biggest weakness was what had the greatest potential in the hands of God because of God's power and redemption. And I find that many times God uses what is weak or even painful in our lives to bring about strength and beauty. And it's his quality of redemption that empowers us sinners to become saints. And if you allow yourself to believe this truth, you'll realize that when you simply make yourself available to God, he will give you the ability to fulfill whatever calling or purpose he has called you to. And I urge you today, if, if you can just believe for a moment, even if that, that faith, that hope is a mustard seed size, just like Jesus talked about, I urge you to put your trust in God for your calling in the same way that you put your trust in him for your salvation. See, in that moment of salvation, it was so simple, so pure, so unique, so, so intimate. And in the same way that you trusted him to save you from life after, from death after life, 
is the same way that you can trust him for the life on this earth and your calling and your purpose. And all it takes is that mustard seed size faith. But when you, when you allow yourself to believe, you will step into this type of Christianity that is intended for us. See, so many of us live in this boring, mundane Christianity to where it's just like this loop of, of, of boring, mundane crap. It's just this unfulfilled life to where we're just really clinging to Jesus as hell insurance and we don't feel fulfilled. We don't feel passionate. We don't feel on fire. But if you allow yourself to step into this calling to understand that you have a purpose, that, that you are not only saved, but you are used to bring others to salvation, you will step into the kind of this kind of Christianity that has constant access to God's presence, constant access to God's power, and constant access to God's passion. If you have been feeling dry and discontent in your faith, it may be because you need to be activated in your faith. And I urge you to allow yourself to say yes to God today, yes to Jesus today by saying, I'm ready. And now maybe you're listening to this and you're realizing that you've never even made that first step of having that mustard seed side faith for salvation. I'm talking all about calling and saying yes for that calling and that purpose, but maybe you still need to make that decision to say yes to that relationship with Jesus Christ, saying yes to the, to the idea of clinging to a savior. If you've never made that decision before and you want to today, all you have to do, the Bible says in the book of Romans, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, surely you shall be saved. Simply saying, if you have a genuine heart and talk to him yourself, acknowledge who he is, the son of God that died on the cross and rose from the dead. That's all it takes to start this journey with him, this relationship with him. It's not as much about a religion as it is about a walk with your savior. Remember, yeah, we're all sinful. No one is perfect, but God is holy and he still calls you to himself because he has revealed himself to you as your heavenly father and he's calling out to you. So if that's you, I urge you to have that conversation today, even right now. That being said, I'm so grateful for you guys being a part of our online service today. If Gravetop Church has made an impact in your life and you want to help us to continue to make an impact in other people's lives, you can do that by going to gravetopchurch.com and click the donate tab. You're able to give online. You're also able to give through third-party apps like Cash App and Venmo by simply searching Gravetop, Gravetop Church. And on that note, we want you to know that we never want anyone to feel pressured or persuaded to donate if they don't want to. It's something to be done out of your own heart. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver and to not give out of compulsion. So if that is you, though, and you would like to give to us, I want you to know that it is a pure act of worship to God. And it, is also, it also makes an incredible difference for our church to continue to do ministry and make impact in other people's lives. That being said, until next time, have a great life.